0: god please set aside everything i think i know about you god the steps recovery, the big book what's best for me what's best for others especially help me let go of all my old ideas so i can live on your spiritual truth heavenly father have mercy on me a sinner help me to carry your message today in jesus name amen okay well we've been going through the big book and when we got to step five i decided that after we covered the step in the big book we would read from the steps we took and we just finished the steps we took on chapter five it was good and um i suggest uh, that if you're listening on the podcast wherever you are that you might consider buying the book (coughs) the steps we took it's been great it's by joe McHugh from joe and the original joe and charlie and uh I'm going to read from Drop the Rock, which is another book that's really helped me. And uh, I'm looking at Mike, and we did the, after the meeting for a while, we did Drop the Rock. Remember, we went through it down there, and I've covered that. It's covered on the site, uh, four podcasts in a row, if you just go through po- full podcast archive. My, uh, my uh, program is based on six and seven. I have to drop my rock all the time whatever's blocking me from God. And um, I didn't realize uh, how vital it was, because when I first came in, people made it seem like uh, it was a, uh, you read the the information in the book, and you said the prayers, and then you moved on with your life. Well, that might be okay for some people, but for me, my character defects (laughs) don't go away. My self-centeredness is, doesn't go away. But when it comes up, I need to drop the rock, whatever it is, I need to get back to God. And so we'll read the there's only two paragraphs in the big book and people speculate why there's only two, I have no idea. I think it's because it's been explained that when they uh, when they uh, wrote the book, they had these little cards, which you wrote your character defects down on one side. And then you wrote the characteristics of God, and we have our spiritual checklist, which is the same thing. And then during the day, you would check off where you were, and then you would discuss it. They would get together and look at it and see how they got back on the beam. It was something that was meant to be done all the time, before the book was written. And, um, but anyway, let's see what they said. It says, If you can answer to your satisfaction on page 76, then we look at step six. And what they said, uh, the questions they asked, is your work solid so far? Are the stones properly in place? Have we skipped on the cement put into the foundation? Have we tried to make mortar without sand? And so have you really done the best you can up to this point with your uh, with the first five steps. And then if you answer to your satisfaction, then you can look at step six. Now, I know I'm doing four and five the rest of my life all the time, every day, because that's what it says in step uh, on page 84. When we've entered the world of spirit, we watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. When these crop up, we ask God at once to remove them. We discuss it immediately with someone. You get the picture. And then um, we uh, make amends if we've harmed anybody, and we resolutely turn our thoughts to those we can help. Love and tolerance is our code. One paragraph summarizes the whole deal. So we have emphasized willingness as being indispensable. How much willingness do you need to uh, uh, have a spiritual experience? A hundred percent, all the time. But we don't. but you need a hundred percent willingness from your first step. And when you start getting that 100% willingness from the first step goes down to 95, and then maybe 90, then all of a sudden you don't need to go to the meeting, or you don't need to call your sponsor, that goes to 70 and 60, and before you know it, you're in the liquor store. And then you'd say, how that happen? What makes you willing, 100% willing in the first step, pain and I don't want to forget how bad it was. And, it, and I still think I'm willing today. I'm here today. Everybody knew I'd be here. And uh, I prayed when I woke up. And I'm 100% willing to stay close to God today. Now, I'm not going to do it perfectly. Of course not. But I ha- willingness is indispensable. <coughs> willingness drives everything. It says uh, willing to go any length, right? Right, Mark? Any length? Am I willing to do whatever it takes? What do I do? And if you get less willing, then you get back an ego. And what makes me willing is my humility that without God I can't do anything. There's no hope for me. And uh, I want to stay willing and humble. And uh, I think the action of the steps makes you causes that. And it says, you know, we wake up in the morning. We think of our plans for the day. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Say, stop it. No, stop immediately. Why? Because they're my plans. I don't want to be running the show. And it says, we ask God to direct our thinking, divorcing it from selfish, dishonest, self-seeking motives. And so, are we now ready to let God remove from us all the things which we have admitted are objectionable? And how do you know if something's objectionable? Because you can see it in your fourth step. You can see your character defects. I don't think I have one of the cards today, but uh, um, my daily inventory, you know, am I being, do I want to get rid of dishonesty? Fear, inconsideration, pride. Greed, lust, anger, envy, sloth, gluttony, impatient, intolerant, resentful, hateful, self-pity. Do I want to get rid of any of that? Well, if I want to hold on to it, I know what the result is. I'm not going to feel good. I'm going to be disturbed. And so I'm willing to get rid of it, but there are different things that come up each day. But I'm willing to get rid of all. I'd really like God to make me um, completely free of them. It's not gonna happen, but, because remember progress, not perfection. We can't do it. None of us can do it. That's what scripture says. But we, we have a power now to be able to do it. That one is God. And can he now take them all, every one? Of course he can. He can take all of them. Is there anything God can't do? No. But as we're gonna learn, if I keep practicing Greed, God's not going to remove it. If I keep practicing, if I practice impatience at the food store, Mark likes me to talk about the food store, God's not going to remove it till I say, you know, God, I have nothing to do. Give me peace here. So if I practice my character defects, God's not going to remove them. Isn't that something? And can he now take them all, every one? We still cling to something we will not let go. We ask God to help us be willing. Now, I have things that I want to let go of that I have to ask God every day. They're the same things. You know, keep me from judging, keep me from being intolerant, inconsiderate, controlling the world, you know, blah, blah, blah. And at least I'm willing. Now, um, so you're supposed to do that. You really could do that every day and every morning and and, uh, all day long. Because remember, it says we watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, fear, character defects. When these crop up, just when they start, we well ask yes, God at once to remove them. We don't want them to harvest. I love the way they use when these crop, begin to crop up. And so I don't want to get a full-blown uh, character defect, because then my actions will reflect my character, right? If I'm impatient and tolerant, what my actions are going to be? They're not going to be good. So here's a, a step seven, which I've heard explained, and, and uh, uh, it, it, I'm gonna see if you think that's what this is really saying. And when you're willing, you say something like this, my creator, I'm, not willing that y- I'm w- now willing that you should have all of me good and bad, right? Well, of course, it's the third step. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character, which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows, Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. Now, I, have, I heard somebody in this room 20 some years ago say, Well, I say that prayer, and if I have uh, lust today, well, that must mean that God doesn't want, I'm not blocking from God. Or if I'm impatient today, it must mean that uh, it's not in the way of my usefulness to God and my fellows. I think that's an alcoholistic self rationalization. All of these block me from God. Anything that's not God's character blocks me from God. Now, what's the danger of me being blocked from God? Well, he's the one who has power to manage my life, and he has power to manage my decision not to drink. I can't decide not to drink today and follow through. I need God. I don't have any power not to drink today. I still have to get it from God no matter how long you're sober. It's not of us. So... um, that's the two steps in the uh, in the big book and i think you have to look at each moment what's blocking you from your usefulness to god and his fellows whatever it is at the moment now how do i know when it's triggered i don't feel good i'm disturbed i'm upset about something something's bothering me does that happen to anybody else in the room anybody ever get bothered a little bit in AA? and uh, now my level of botheredness is <laughs> way down from what it used to be and um but that's it's it says on page 88 this is how god disciplines us when we're away from him we don't feel good and so the whole deal is to drop whatever the rock is that I'm carrying at that moment and just say God just just help me let this go change me let me see it differently we have prayers for uh, resentment that we could say four prayers Uh, they're too long for me now It takes too much time. I say, God, uh, just change. They are who they are. You know, they just, I say, God, save me from being angry. Eh, Just let's go of it. If I have fear, anybody ever get fear? Uh, I say, God, uh, remove my fear, direct my attention that I should be. Well, be with me. Do my work. Be a good person. Be grateful for what you have. Have courage to do the right thing. Be loving, kind, patient, tolerant, considerate, and compassionate. It's not complicated. And then if you're not in fear and you're not in resentment, you're less likely to make harmful actions and act on them. And so so that's six and seven in the big book. And uh, I'm going to read two stories from Drop the Rock. I didn't copy drop the rock. It's too. Co- I'm not going to cover the whole book, so I'd have to co- copy certain pages. And Patty's retired from the Xerox machine, and you know I may have been uh, board certified doctor, but you know this is complicated stuff for me. Um, Patty did say something about my alcoholism. She says, "Honey, you can do what you want to do." <laughs> anyway. Anybody recognize that? Um, So uh, nobody laughed. But anyway, Uh, in the introduction, there's a story here that I first heard in this room, you know, 20 some years ago, somebody read it as the topic on the Sunday night meeting here. And they got this story about Mary. And I and it was, uh, they found it in the archives. And people had told the study story from even before the book was written about Mary. And I thought I'd read it to you. And every time I read it, I don't know, I get a little emotional. See what you think. It's so powerful. And it says, um, uh, there was a group of 12-step members taking a boat ride to the island called Serenity. It was truly a happy bunch of people. As the boat pulled away from the dock, a few on board noticed Mary running down the street, trying to catch up with the boat. One member said, darn, she's missed the boat. Another one said, maybe not. Come on, Mary, jump in the water. Swim, swim. You can make it. You can catch up with us. So Mary jumped into the water and started to swim for all she was worth. She swam for quite a while and then started to sink. The members on board, now all aware that Mary was struggling, shouted, come on, Mary, don't give up. Drop the rock. With that encouragement, Mary started swimming again, only to start sinking again shortly afterwards. She was going under when she heard all those voices shouting her, Mary, drop the rock, let go and drop the rock. Mary was vaguely aware of something around her neck, but she couldn't quite figure out what it was. Once more, she gathered her strength and started swimming. She was doing quite well, even gaining a little on the boat, but then she felt this heaviness pulling her under again. She saw all those people in the boat holding out their hands and howling for her to keep swimming and shouting, don't be an idiot, Mary, drop the rock. Then she heard and understood when she was going down for the third time, this thing around her neck, this was why she kept sinking when she really wanted to catch the boat. The thing was the rock they were all shouting about, resentments, fear, dishonesty, self-pity, intolerance, and anger just some of the things her rock was made up of. Stubbornness. Unwillingness. Judgment without information. God help me get rid of the rock, she's prayed. Now, get rid of it. Mary managed to stay afloat long enough to untangle a few of the strings holding that rock around her neck, realizing <laughs> as she did that her load was easing up. Then with another burst of energy, she let go. She tore the strings off and dropped the rock. Once free of the rock, she was amazed how easy it was to swim. And she soon caught up with the boat. Those on board were cheering for her and applauding and telling her how great she was and how it was so good having her with them again. And here now they could get on with the boat ride and have a nice time. Mary felt great and was just about to indulge in a little rest and relaxation when she glanced back to the shore. There, ways back, she thought she saw something bobbing in the water, so she pointed out to some others. Sure enough, someone was trying to catch the boat, swimming for dear life, but not making much headway. In fact, it looked like the person was going under. Mary looked around and saw the concern on the faces of the other members. She was the first to lean over the rail and shout, Hey, friend, drop the rock. Isn't that a great story? And you know what? Here's the problem. I've tried to help a lot of people in AA. I can't make them drop their rocks. And we only drop the rock when we suffer enough. And today, if I'm impatient, I don't want to have that rock. I don't like the way it feels. And so... um, Then I'm going to read, and I will cover Drop the Rock, but I'll copy certain pages from it, unless you all want to buy it, I suggest it. Some of you have it. Um, there's a speaker, Sandy Beach, you've all heard of him. He was my favorite. I've listened to him in probably all the talks he's ever done. And he did a he did a talk that was called the Drop the Rock talk, and it was in 1976. Now, he didn't die until about 2018 or something, and um, I think he sobered up in the 50s and uh, he was born in 35. He was born when uh, AA was founded. And you can hear a story when and uh, all of his talks on the various websites on the internet. So this was the end of a talk that he gave in 1976 in Palm Springs, and he wasn't well known at the time. But his wife and Chuck C was giving this conference and Chuck C was the one who did the new pair of glasses seminar weekend in 77 that was recorded. There's a book on it now. So his wife heard Sandy talk. And she told Chuck that I want you to have Sandy come and talk at Palm Springs. But you know, Chuck's an alcoholic. You understand. He was a great man, but he he wasn't sure, you know, he didn't know he hadn't heard of Sandy and this and that. And she said, Well, honey, uh, you're going to do this. And he's going to talk. He said, Okay because she was very active in Alan and his wife, and they were, they were great. <laughs> he was Richard Chamberlain's father, if any of you are old enough to remember him, and a uh, famous actor in the 70s and 80s, 50s actually. So here is the end of his talk. If there's anybody new here tonight, and I hope there are some new people, there's one last thing that I think you have to do in order to have the miracle of AA take place. All you have to do if you're new is don't drink. That's good, right? Turn your life over to God and get rid of all of your old ideas. That's all we ask. That's all we ask that you do and it says we read every meeting. The result is nil. Unless we let go of all of our old ideas. And that's why when I say the set aside prayer, help me set aside everything that isn't your spiritual truth everything that's blocking for me from you. That's all we ask you do. When I heard about turning over all my old ideas, I realized that all of my old ideas was my whole game plan for living. Now, when he talks about the first step, he talks about when you come in, we have a game plan. Everybody has a plan when they come in. He says, but it's interesting when you come to AA, we don't want to know what your game plan is because your game plan got you here. And what we want you to do is realize that your game plan is never going to work. And you might want to try this game plan. That's why I believe in the book so strongly. And he realized this whole game plan for living, my whole plan, everything, every conviction, every attitude, every prejudice, everything that I had about the world are my ideas. And it was like carrying around a 150-pound rock. I heard somebody years ago say everything I thought I knew when I came in was wrong. Oh, I said, you know, what's he talking about? And then I realized it was true when I started working the steps. And then I would tell people I'm working with, now, remember, everything you think is wrong. And they'd look at me, you know, who is this guy? What is he talking about? And then I've had some say, you know, he was. All my resentments were wrong. All my fears were wrong. All my harms took place because I, I saw things wrong. He goes, but it was my rock. Get it? Anybody relate to this? It was mine. I put this thing together. This was the real me. I was the rock. Well, that's what the fourth and fifth step is, showing you what the what the person I created was, not the person God created. And I want to be God's character, not my character that I created. God didn't create my alcoholism. I created it. I created the world I lived in. And they came in here and it was like I was in an ocean of alcoholism and AA threw me a life preserver, but I'm, uh, but I am hanging on to that rock. I'm not going to let it go. This is my rock. And they're yelling out there, drop the rock. And I've seen that so many times. People argue with me, they they don't have time to do this. They can't do that, blah, blah, blah. They're not going to forgive this one. Blah, 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 blah. They're holding onto their rock. And, and I could see that it's their rock but they can't see it. And and people, I've had some rock and then people see it and show it to me and I say, wow, I don't want to hold on to that anymore. That's why you have to have somebody to talk to all the time in AA, so you can tell them what your rock is that you're holding on to today that you need to let go of. He says, no, man, I can't drop the rock. I'm hanging on to the life preserver and the boat full of AA members is coming along And I'm going under with the rock and hanging on. I got the thing and they're going under, hey, drop the rock out there. I'm going down under and everybody's yelling, it's great up here, come on over. And I said, how do I get up there? They say, drop the rock and you'll make it. But I don't want to drop the rock. And it says, it's mine, it's in italics. Think how true that is. And so finally one day, I don't know, something terrible happened because it took my attention away. And I dropped it and I was terrified. There goes my rock. And while I was looking down there, I was like a water skier. I came up out of the top of the water and I'm going along and I'm going, what the hell? Why did I want that rock anyway? And you know, that's why we wanna hold on to those old ideas with the death grip. I'll never understand it, but it's one of the paradoxes in AA. And I've seen people who relapsing all the time, can't make it, wanna make it, And then something happens and they come in and they've gone to treatment or somewhere and they come back and their eyes are different. They're different. There's something's happened to them we can call it they drop their rock and they've been, they stay sober. We don't get perfect, but we have to be willing to do it. And he says, he ends his talk. And so if you're new, I hope this happens to you. And I want to be sitting out there next year, the year after that, whenever it takes place, because this is how I'll know about God even more. See, I know God exists because I'm seeing him in the room. I'm seeing people here that shouldn't be alive today. And I know they had no power to do it. If you want to prove to, to someone who's an atheist that God exists, take him to an AA meeting. I want to be out there when some new person out there is standing up here and you've got that sparkle in your eye and you've got that whole vitality going about AA. And you're looking at some new guy, and you're saying, drop the rock. It's the greatest. I don't know about you, but those two stories are really special for me. And so um, I thought we would read just a little bit of this change the name of the game, and then I'll open it up, because I'm sure people have a lot that they can say about this. So the title of it, Change is the Name of the Game. Remember, we the treatment for alcoholism is a psychic change. A personality change sufficient to recover from alcoholism. That's what we need. We need a spiritual experience which changes us. And then we need to stay changed. The problem is we don't get zapped and we're changed forever. We've got to keep doing the work all the day every day to have a daily reprieve based upon maintaining a fit spiritual condition. So he says change is the name of the game. Everyone thinks change is based on what you're going to get. But change has a lot to do with what you're willing to get rid of. Like a hot air balloon that goes up when you throw the sand out of it. A lot of people don't want to throw the sand out. They want to keep the sand and still go up. Can't do it, right? I can't practice my character and have a relationship with God. I can't practice my character and be, not be in conflict with everybody and everything. I can't practice my character and have a power over alcohol. So I'm just gonna read, uh, I'll read three or four paragraphs. All the change, and I love this, all the change that comes about through God working in our lives is by my consent and my permission. Think about it. Now, people believe in the Holy Spirit. Some, uh, the Holy Spirit, I'm told, won't work unless I let the Holy Spirit work. That's what Paul says in chapter seven of Romans. And if you believe just God is the Holy Spirit and don't believe in that, God won't work if I don't allow him. And isn't that what step three is, the decision to do that? Now, if we want to change, then we have to uh, give him our consent and permission. All the growth that happens, happens through our will and our consent. We have to make the decision. We have to become willing and ready, and we can see it building to the point of change. I wrote, change is the work of God, but I have to cooperate. Now, some people get confused and think, well, I'm gonna do better and I'm gonna change and I'm gonna get rid of all my character defects and I'm not gonna get upset today. Anybody go to work at nine and say, well, you know, I'm gonna be great today. Nothing's gonna bother me. 10.30, the shit's hit the fan. Anybody ever do that? Was I the only one? And, and so uh, I don't have the power to do it, but now I have the power at 10.30 to stop and say, okay, God, settle me down. Give me the, what do I need to do next? Get me out of whatever fear or whatever entanglement I'm in. Just let me do your work. He says, um, "Step six and seven are the pinnacle of the program. Pinnacle is the peak, the climax, the high water part. And I think, I can't remember how he words it in the 12 and 12, but he says it's the... Uh, everything depends on how your whole your whole recovery depends on step six and seven six and seven the pinnacle if we look back at the other steps and see how they work we can see that we took them to give us the ability to take steps six and seven where the changes really begin in step one we saw the problem i couldn't manage my life right I had no power not to drink, no power not to manage, my, to manage my life successfully. In step two, the solution I saw was God, and that there was a power that could relieve me of the insanity of my thinking and my insanity towards alcohol. And it says in step three, I made the decision that I wanted that power to run my life. I wanted to serve that power. I wanted that power to free me from the bondage of self. And in step four, I had to work to identify the things that blocked me. And in step four and five together, we examine those blocks, getting down to the exact nature, which is my character and self will. My character defects, my shortcomings. It's a shortcoming because it's short of God's character. When I'm, I'm impatient, I'm short of God's patient character. And it says, uh, getting down to the next exact nature, making sure they were fine-tuned. Now we're ready to start changing. Anybody want change? Anybody want change today? Yeah. So I need it today. You can be in AA forty years, and if you haven't changed, you're just miserable. Forty years sober. But I want to change, and I want to be with God today. Um, and the changing process. And I wrote, I grow in proportion to how much I cooperate. I don't know where I got that from. It sounds good. So the the more I want to cooperate, the more I change. Willingness, decision inventory, um, to get ready to change, and then. Changes men—it's in every way. It changes men into boys, or boys into men. I think that's what he wrote. It's a step that turns uh, in the twelve and twelve. Step six and seven is a step that turns boys into men, or girls into women. And if you haven't done one and five according to the big book, I don't know how you do six and seven. I don't know how you understand. What causes your resentments, your fears, and your harmful actions. How your character and self is manifested. You don't want to (coughs) practice that character anymore. So we'll pick up on uh, page 89. Stu, let me mark so I don't review. All right, so Mark, uh, I'm putting it right here. For those on the podcast, they give me a hard time all the time. I deserve it. All right, thank you guys.